I would love that. Like, you know, if it came into like the to terms of like health and fitness, you know, if you just had to believe in the right foods and believe in the power of fitness and suddenly miraculously this thing just got right and beautiful, you know, I mean, wouldn't that be so nice? It's like, you know, you just believed in the power of fitness and health and, and all of a sudden you had a six pack abs and you were so healthy and you went to the doctor and they're like, wow, you are just, you're so healthy. Everything is so good. What have you been doing? You're like, I've been eating Ben and Jerry's every night, doc. I've been eating Ben and Jerry's and fried food wings as often as I can, but I believe in the power of fitness. And so by the spirit of Ben and Jerry's, I have been set free and I am healed. You know, I mean, wouldn't that just be so amazing and awesome if that's all you had to do or like with finances, you know, if you just had to believe the right stuff when it came to terms of, you know, finances, like you just, you know, and most of us, we know the right things or we believe the right things when it comes to this stuff. You know, we know that, you know, you shouldn't spend more than, you know, your, your earning or whatever you, you need to save. You should, you should stay out of debt, you know, stuff like that. So if you just believe that stuff and then suddenly it didn't matter what you did with your money, but suddenly your bank account just grew and grew and grew and you had money and you were financially stable. I mean, wouldn't that be just amazing? But here's the thing. We all know this to be true. Most of us in most areas, we all know the right stuff. We know what we should do. We know how to be more fit. We know how to be healthy. We know how to be financially stable. We know how to, how to be good at relationships and stuff like that. But that's not the difference maker. It doesn't really matter what you know. You know, the amount of information is not the problem. It's not about your beliefs. It's what you, you do that makes the difference. And that's the hard part, right? Doing the right things, that's, that's the difference maker. But that, that is very, very, very hard to do. And the thing is, is that Jesus knew this, that Jesus knew it wasn't about what you simply believed. It was about what you do. It was about how you lived it out. We're in part two of our series called Faith, and we started this series last week. So if you need to get caught up or anything like that, you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of that type of stuff. Get caught up and watch. But we, we talked about how there were two things that amazed Jesus. When you look at the Gospels, two things that amazed Jesus, great faith and lack of faith. Wasn't people's knowledge, wasn't how much people believed, wasn't even their obedience. It was great faith. And lack of faith. Those are the things that made Jesus's jaw drop. And the thing is, is we learned that when Jesus came, he gave us this perfect image of, of who God really is. And his invitation was this. His invitation was, follow me. Not simply believe in me, but follow me. Anchor yourself to me. And we talked about how Jesus' hope for his first century followers and how his hope for us, his 21st century followers, is that he, we would be people of great faith. That God is most honored by our living, active, death-defying, in spite of faith. This is God's hope for you and for I. That we would learn to be people of great faith. And we talked about there's a simple question that we could all apply to our lives that we could all begin to ask. And the question would be this. What would I do if I was confident that God was with me? If I truly had faith, if I truly trusted God, what would that cause me to do? What would I initiate? What would I stop? Who would I forgive? Who would I ask for forgiveness from? Where would I be generous? What would I start to give up? What would I start to lay down? What would I start to do differently? If I was truly confident that God was with me, that he was for me, 
What would I do? And that's the question that we're all hoping to ask in this series. And if we would begin to ask this question through seasons of life, through things that may happen, through storms that may pop up, our faith would start to grow. And that's what we're trying to figure out is what, what fuels and what facilitates the development of an enduring faith. Because we're all probably at a different level of our faith. For some of us, man, for some of us, we've walked away from faith. We've walked away from faith and we're coming back and we had a religious experience or, you know, grew up in church or whatever it may be. But, you know, we're, we're trying to figure this out. We're trying to get some handles on this whole thing. But, you know, maybe how faith was explained to you back then is different than, than how we're explaining faith today. And you, you feel that tension there. You're like, man, I think there's just I think there's a little bit more than just simply show up, believe, hear homily and then go home. Right. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit something different. Or for some of you, man. Your faith has been on fire. Like you've always been a Christian. You grew up in church. You're here at this church. You've been a member of this church for a really long time. But man, it just seems like, you know, you consider yourself to, you used to be on fire for Jesus, but it just feels like, you know, maybe that flame that was once big and bright has kind of, you know, dulled down to like a, a pilot light, you know? And you're like, I just, I'm not feeling it anymore. I don't know. I don't feel on fire for Jesus anymore. And I'm trying to figure out how to get that faith back, how to get that fire back. Maybe that's what it is for you. Or from maybe, maybe for you, maybe for you, it's just, this thing is in its infant stages for you. Like you consider yourself a baby Christian, right? Like I just started this thing and I'm just trying to understand what it is. How do I grow it? How do I nurture it? How do I develop it? No matter what stage in your faith you're in, that's what we're going to answer. What facilitates, what fuels, what grows faith? If we could create a recipe for it. What would it be? And so for the next five weeks, we're going to get real deep. Okay, we're going to get real practical. Because the thing is, is I believe there are five dynamics, five dynamics that I think help fuel and facilitate a growing faith. And they really are dynamics. Because some of them are things you can do. Some of them are things you can stop doing. But some of them you have no control over. It's just when they happen in life, life presents an opportunity. And so we're going to get into the first one today. And the first one is this. Practical teaching, practical teaching. If you talk to a person of great faith and you ask them to tell their faith story, they're going to tell you, man, at some point in time, somebody just took the scriptures, took the teachings of Jesus, and they just made it so practical. They just, it was so easy to apply to my life. It's like they gave me handlebars and all of a sudden I knew how to steer this thing. I knew how to ride this thing. And all of a sudden I knew what it was I was supposed to do. It's like you could take that story. You could take that lesson from 2000 years ago and I could apply it to my life and actually start to put it into practice. Practical teaching. Actually doing what we talk about, that is what grows an endearing faith. And the thing is, is that when our act of faith intersects with God's faithfulness, that's when our faith grows. It's when we go and we put into practice what God has taught us. On the other side of it, it's when we experience His faithfulness. It's kind of like, you know, if, if we're talking about, I don't know, like forgiving somebody. And you hear us, you know, preach a message on forgiveness or something. And we dive into the scriptures about, you know, how you're supposed to forgive or ask for forgiveness. And in the, and while you're sitting here, you're like, man, I don't want to do this at all. I do not want to do this. But there comes that moment where you're like, you know what? 
I'm going to put my faith in this. I'm going to trust what Jesus says I should do. So I'm actually going to go have the difficult conversation. I'm going to go ask for forgiveness or I'm going to go forgive this person. And then you do it. And then after you do it, on the other side of that, you experience God's faithfulness. After that conversation, sometimes the relationship is healed. Sometimes it's not healed, but you have peace about it. And you're like, wow, okay, I put into practice what God told me to do. I put my faith in action. And on the other side, I figured, I figured out, wow, God is really trustworthy. I can trust God with my life. I've experienced his faithfulness on the other side. Or let's say we talk about generosity, right? Jesus talks about generosity so much in his teachings. Let's say, you know, again, generosity is not a thing we usually want to do. But let's say we put our faith in Jesus. We're like, you know what? I'm going to practice generosity. I really don't want to do this. I'm really holding tight to my money, but this is what Jesus says I should do. And you put your faith in Jesus through actionable steps. You actually do something. And on the other side of that, you experience God's faithfulness. On the other side of that, God takes care of your needs. God does something miraculous. You have that sense of peace in your heart of, of something that you partook in. That, and you're like, wow. Okay, so that's when I put my faith in action. I get to really experience him. And then your faith begins to grow. Because through little, sometimes just small, actionable steps of putting my faith in God and trusting his ways. Then I experience it. Then I learned that, wow, well, if I can trust God with my relationships, if I could trust God with my money, what else could I possibly trust him with? And this is important. It's important to take advantage of this because you all know this. Faith, faith is like a muscle. Now, this will make perfect sense to every single one of you because it's been scientifically proven. We are the fittest church on earth. I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, look around the room. I mean, there are some incredible incredibly fit people all around you. I mean, from the teenagers to like, you know, the senior adults in the room, we are some of the most, I, I would, if, if a church wanted to get into a street fight with us, I would put my money on all of you. Okay. We could kick any church's butt. We should put that on a t-shirt anchored hope. We can kick any church's butt anyway, maybe not. All right. But I, you know, but you all know this, right? But go ahead and just give me a flex. All right. See, let me see the muscles. See, don't poke anyone's eye out. Careful there. All right. Some of you, all right, careful there. But here's the thing. Faith is like a muscle. Maybe growing up in the church, you were just told you just got to have big faith, brother. You know, and what they were saying was you just got to believe, like believe a lot, you know, just believe big. And you all know this, man, you have believed God could do anything. But the thing is, is that that still didn't get you anywhere. But that's not how it works. See, the thing is, is faith is like a muscle. And the thing is, is with faith, in order to grow it, you got to work it. Okay? I mean, the way that muscles grow is you stretch them past their capacity. You, you, you weigh them down. You stretch them and you flex it. And that's what actually grows a muscle. It's a little bit of actually tearing of the muscle and then the repairing of the muscle that actually is what makes it grow. So you've got to be stretched to do that. And your faith is no different. It's not simply believe hard, believe more. It's that your faith has to be put into action. It has to be stretched even a little bit beyond its capacity. And then that's when we experience God. Because we say this in the fitness world too. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. And your faith is the same way. If all you do is come to church, listen to some content, check out, go home, but you don't actually put your faith into work, you don't actually do anything with it, 
Well, then just like your, you know, sometimes your arms can get a little scrawny and weak. It's the same way with your faith. Your faith can get really scrawny and really weak, feeble and fragile and be very prone to injuries if you don't use it. It's got to be put into work. It's got to be put into actionable, doable, practical, applicable things. And the best, this is really important for us too, because here's the thing. The Old Testament, they got to see God. They got to at least hear God. They got to see, you know, thunder, lightning, clouds, noises, okay? God was very apparent. They even had a dwelling place for him where they could go visit him. In the New Testament, they got to walk with Jesus. After Jesus died, there were still people around that that saw him, that could vouch for him, that could tell you stories about him. But we don't have any of that. We don't get to see God. We don't get to walk with Jesus. And so for us, the way we as 21st century followers of Jesus get to experience him, Is through his spirit. And here's the thing. The best way to experience him is to experience his faithfulness on the other side of your faith in action. When you put your faith into action and experience his faithfulness on the other side, it's then that you start to feel like God is real. That God is not just distant and up in heaven, but that God is actually real. For you, that God is actually with you, that God sees what you're going through. And we talked about this last week. We talked about what what is the currency of a relationship? It's trust. And so it's through putting your faith into action and experiencing Him on the other side, that's when you go, Oh, I see. When I do what he says, when I do what he encourages me to do, I see on the other side his blessings. I see on the other side his faithfulness. And that's how I know that I can trust him. It's not because the Bible says. It's not because somebody told me to believe. It's because I've put it into action in my life. I've experienced his faithfulness on the other side. And now I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can Trust him. See, the thing is, is that when you express trust practically, we experience the faithfulness of God in reality. And Jesus talked about this all throughout his ministry. All throughout his ministry, Jesus talked about what we should practically do in order to experience his faithfulness. And he talks about this in his Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5 and 6, Luke, it's in Luke as well. And there's some, there's some differences between the two tellings of the Sermon on the Mount. And some people go, well, I don't understand why these two things are different. See, I don't like how the Gospels don't match up. But here's the thing. We believe that Jesus did not preach this just one time. So it's not like Jesus preached this one time and two people remembered it differently. We think that Jesus preached this or a version of this sermon multiple times. And so Matthew had an account of it of the time that Matthew experienced it. Luke, he wasn't actually there, but he's retelling of other people who saw it. And so he's telling the version they saw. And it might not even have been the same place that Matthew saw it. But he gives this practical explanation of how to live in the kingdom of God. And it was this upside down kingdom ethic. I'm talking, he gets in there and he starts talking about, hey man, here's the thing. Those, with, those that are powerful, those with power and resources, they should leverage their power and their resources for, for the help of others. He talks about how the first should be last and the last will be first. He talks about one anothering one another. He, he talks about how if somebody tells you to go a mile, go ahead and go two miles. 
Somebody asks you for your shirt, go ahead and give them your tunic as well. Somebody slaps you across the cheek, go ahead, let them slap you across the other cheek. It was like this idea of going above and beyond for one another. Then he does this whole yank the plank thing where he talks about, man, if there's somebody you come into contact with and they've got a problem, they've got something that just really bothers you or irks you, hey, here's the thing. Don't worry about the speck in their eye. You need to go look at yourself in the mirror and you need to get the plank out of your own eye so that you could better assist them with getting the speck out of their own. And it was this idea of this open-ended compassion, open-ended forgiveness, and open-ended generosity. He would even go on to tell him, he goes, hey man, here's the thing, if you pull up up to church and there's some kind of tension in the car, if you and your spouse or you and somebody else are fighting and somebody needs to seek forgiveness and redemption, hey man, don't even walk into the church. Go ahead and take care of that in the parking lot. In their terms, he says, hey, if you guys roll up to the temple and you remember that your brother has something against you, you, somebody's mad at you, man, you better turn right back around and go fix that thing that's broken. Which they would have been going, are you kidding me? Do you know how long? It's about, it was about a three days travel to the temple. It was expensive. It was time consuming. And Jesus goes, hey, if you get right up to the line and it's your turn to walk in next and you remember somebody has something against you, you leave and you go fix that relationship. And the thing is, is Jesus goes on and on and on. And it's so practical. It's so easy to understand, but it's so practical that it almost, it it seems impractical. Like I'll preach on this stuff. I'll preach on the Sermon on the Mount or something like that. And people will literally call me or email me and be like, hey, like, I know I heard what you said. And like, yeah, everybody else should definitely do that for sure. But let me tell you my story. Like, let me tell you what somebody did to me. Are you telling, you don't think I should forgive them. You don't think that I should fix that relationship. You're not saying that, that I should give because, because my situation is unique. My situation is different. And we've all been there and we've all experienced that. But the thing is that, yes, this is what Jesus actually asked us to do. And this is exactly why the church dumbed it down to simply believe in him and not follow him. Because once it became legal to be a Christian, once we started to build churches and facilities and organizations, I think what they realized really quickly is, man, it's really hard to build a big church off of following Jesus and doing what he said. But you know what? If we just simply tell people to believe, if it's just about believing me, oh man, you can grow a big, sexy church on believing me. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you remember some of you, you even experienced this, right? Remember when you became a Christian, maybe you were a kid or teenager or young adult or whatever it may be. And you, you came down to the altar and somebody came there and, and prayed with you. And you're like, Hey, you know, so like, what do I do? How do I become a Christian? And what did they probably tell you? They tell you, all you got to do is believe in him. Just believe that what he did on the cross counted for you. Just believe that he died on the cross and he rose again three days later. And what did you do? You're like, Oh, that's it. I just got to believe. And I get into heaven. Well, shoot, sign me up. I believe, right? I believe, I believe, I believe. I I can believe anything. Because you all know this. What does believe do? Believe, belief leaves you exactly where you are and leaves you exactly who you are. And the thing is, is that the church dumbed it down to simply believe in me. 
Because the thing is, is it's, it's much easier. And even like in teachings, right? I mean, it's so much easier. I wish so badly. I, I just, I wish we could just preach Old Testament just, just for a whole year. Our church would probably boom if all we did was preach Old Testament for a while, you know? Because it's so much sexier to tell Old Testament stories of like David and Goliath. You know what I mean? I mean, small dude chopping a big dude's head off. Who doesn't like that kind of story, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, the government, the empire throws them in the fire and they don't get burned and they walk out like X-Men mutants, you know, and nothing happens and they're like, what's up now? And everybody's like, oh God, you know, that's awesome. Who doesn't want to hear that story of going through something and coming out unscathed? Or Moses, right? Moses exiting Egypt, parting the Red Sea, everybody walks through fine and dandy and dry. And then just the right time, he just claps the ocean waves together and everybody that he hates drowns. I mean, that is good preaching right there, right? I mean, that's more of like what we want to hear. That's right. I want to come to church. I want you to tell me how I'm going to chop all the giants' heads off. I'm going to go through the fire. I'm going to come out unscathed. And my enemies, God's going to drown them. I mean, that, you could build a big church off of that. But then we get to the New Testament and we find out that everybody who followed Jesus like 10 years after he went into heaven, they all died. You know, they're all martyred that they went through the fire and they burned and they faced giants and they died and they went through the water and, and, and bad things happened. That's not sexy, right? And that's hard. That's the thing that's hard about the teachings of Jesus is that when we think of them practically and we think about putting them into action, we're like, but, ah, but that's hard. That makes me feel vulnerable. That makes me feel like, there's a possibility I could be taken advantage of. But Jesus would say, well, here's the thing. You won't ever experience me until you trust me. I will never really feel real to you until you put your faith in me. And I'm not talking about believing me, but I'm actually talking about taking what I've taught and putting it into work, into your life. You won't, you won't, Trust me until you experience my faithfulness on the other side of your faith in action. And then Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after he's told us all these practical things that we should do, all these things that we should do as citizens of, of his kingdom. He says this, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and agrees with them, no. Who writes them down, no. Who feels convicted by them, Nope. Who gets them tattooed on their arm? Nope. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Who actually does what it says. Who actually takes actionable faith steps. Walks by faith. He says, well, that person, that person is like a wise man. And you all know what a wise man is. You're all wise men and women. A wise man is somebody who's preparing for the future. A wise man is somebody who understands the assignment. He says, they're like a wise man. And that person, that wise man, they're like the person who built his house on the rock. Now, you and I, we, we may not exactly understand this illustration. And if you grew up in church, there was a whole song that went with this whole verse thing that they taught you. Please don't start singing it. I'll have church PTSD and I'll have to call my counselor. You know, it gives me the shakes when I hear stuff like that. But anyway, uh, but 
He's talking about building the house on the rock. Now, we don't understand this because today, you know, when we build houses, pour a foundation, build a house on top, we don't really think about it. But back then, back then, there were two ways to build your house. You could either build your house on the sand, you could build your house on rock. Now, to build your house on the rock, it was very labor intensive. You had to actually go and dig it out, carry rock, place rock. It was time consuming. It was tedious. It was hard. And it was very, very expensive. But it was the right way to do it. Because the alternative was to build your house on the sand. And building your house on the sand, it was quick. It was easy. It was cheaper. But the problem is when the storms came. And that's exactly what Jesus says next. He says this, he goes, but then the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. See, here's the thing. This, this might be your faith story or somebody that you know. Somebody might have grew up in church or gone to church and they became a believer. They became a Christian. And it was all, it was easy. They just raised their hand, put their hope in Jesus and said, yeah, count me in. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. But they didn't actually put their faith into work. Their faith was built on what they believed, but not on actionable things that they did to put their trust in Jesus. And therefore they didn't experience God's faithfulness. And then like it happens to every single one of us, storms in life come. Bad stuff happens to good people. And God's not behind it. It just happens. And the thing is, is that for some of us, we believed and we were Christian. But then the storms of life came and our foundation was not in God. Our foundation was not built on a faith that had put its trust in Jesus and had experienced God's faithfulness on the other side. Instead, it was just in church and beliefs. And when, our founda- when the foundation of our faith is just put into church and beliefs, well then, man, when the storms of life come, you end up getting knocked on your feet. Then all of a sudden you wonder, where's God? Why is bad things happen to, happening to me? I thought if I just had faith, everything would work out. I thought if I just had faith, everything would be okay. I thought that if I just prayed the right way or gave the right way, that God would answer all my needs. Where is God in the middle of this storm? And many times that's where some of us start to question God's existence. We start to question our faith in God. But Jesus, he says this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. See, the thing that Jesus wanted us to understand that so many other people behind him would say too is that believing, man, be careful because believing can be very, very, very deceiving. Because if all we simply do is believe and think it's about believing the right things, when the storms of life come, they can knock us off our feet. They can knock us on our butt. It's when our faith muscle is not flexed and being used that all of a sudden it becomes feeble and fragile. And when the storms of life come, it's real easy for it to tear apart and for us to walk away completely. 
James, the brother of Jesus, he understood this. He was much more clear. And he didn't even actually believe in Jesus till after the resurrection. He didn't believe Jesus said, didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was until after he saw his brother alive after just watching him three days ago be, you know, torn to bits and, and put on the cross and die. So he puts his faith in Jesus and he becomes a follower of Jesus, ends up becoming this leader of the church in Jerusalem, which you know, they were kind of considered the redhead stepchildren of Christians, of Jewish Christians at the time. But, but James, he, he led them and he says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. And again, the Bible didn't exist back then. So when he says the word, he actually means Jesus. He says, do not merely listen to Jesus or the teachings of Jesus. Don't, don't deceive yourself. I think as Christians today in 2023, this is so easy for us to fall into. It's not, it's not anyone's fault, but there are some things that we grew up around that no, no other generation grew up around that I think, man, looking back at it, there's some things we, we could have done a little differently. And, and one of those things, for instance, is, you know, most of us, you know, our faith grew up in the 90s or the early 2000s, right? I mean, you talk about my generation, millennials. I mean, we were, we were teenagers or, you know, older kids in the 90s or 2000s. Some of you who may be older than that, maybe in your 60s or so, you were my age now back then, right? So all of us went through this kind of at a different level. You teenagers and young adults, you have no clue what I'm talking about, but you'll understand here in a minute. But what happened in the 90s and early 2000s is that Christians started to be publicized. Like we had books and not only did we just have books, we had bookstores, right? I mean, anybody remember the Christian bookstore? You know, it used to be one on Mid Rivers. I worked there, right? The Christian bookstore and then Barnes and Noble. What did they get? The Christian living section, Right. It was called the Christian living section still exists there. You still go to Barnum Noble, go to the Christian living section. And so all of a sudden, all these pastors and retired, you know, ba- uh, basketball players and football players and baseball players all started to come out with books. All the pastors, all the ath- retired athletes, they've all got books. And so we started to grab up all these books. And what we started to do is that was our devotional time, Right. I mean, you remember when your devotions were reading a Christian living book? You know, you're reading the newest Francis Chan, reading the newest John Maxwell, reading the newest Craig Rochelle or Rick Warren was real popular back then, right? So you got the new book or, you know, Daryl Strawberry's Faith Story or something like that. And so you got all of these faith stories and stuff and that was your devotional. And here's what we would do. That was our time with God. Reading somebody else's faith story or reading what somebody else interpreted the scripture as. So it's like we were looking through a lens of somebody looking through a lens. And then what we would do is that would become our new thing. And we'd get together with other Christians and be like, have you read the newest Rick Warren book? Oh, you haven't? Oh, you must. It's very good. It's so insightful. So eye-opening. I'm hosting a Bible study at my house. And here's what Christian Bible studies used to look like. And this is why people all the time keep asking me for Bible stories and I, Bible studies. And I keep telling them, no, because I, I remember growing up around them. Because here's what we do. Everybody brings the book, which, by the way, the men never would read. It was only the women, okay? The husbands were just there to nod their head. It was only the women who would actually read the, the book. And so we go through and we read this book and everybody would underline their favorite part. And we would just go around in a circle and everybody would tell their favorite part of the book. 
How did that speak to you? Well, I really like when, when Rick Warren said, blah, 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 blah. And we don't go, mm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's what it was like, okay? That's what a Bible study. I used to see so many Bible studies in my house. People reading all kinds of books. And that's what we would do. And here's the thing. Today in 2023, you know what it's about now? Faith movies. Faith movies. I'm about to lose my stuff if somebody comes up to me and recommends another faith-based film to me, okay? I'm telling you what. I'll tell you, this is, this is, I can explain this to you at another time. Because I know you all think I'm pastor, so I'm like the lead pioneer of like Christian film in here. So many of you will come to me and you'll be like, have you seen the newest Christian film? I'm telling you right now, I hate faith-based films. I hate them. I haven't watched one since God's not dead where, you know, the end of the movie is, is that the, the bad sinful guy gets hit by a car and goes to hell. And then, you know, they pan back to uh, the concert and they're like, yeah, the bad guy's dead. God's not dead. He's surely alive. Yeah. I hate those. Okay. It's can't stand them. Can't stand them. But here's the thing, whether it's a devotional book or a faith-based film, we all think that that's what we need. And people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, man, I feel like my, my faith is kind of dull right now. I feel like it needs something. It needs igniting. You got a good book for me? You got a good book you can recommend for me, pastor? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I got a really good book. It's called the Bible. <laughs> Go to the New Testament. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Really good stuff there. And I kid you not, some people, they can't read the room. I've literally had people tell me, yeah, 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 yeah. I've read all that. Nothing new there. I mean, I need something more exciting than that. What else you got? And here's the thing. Here's the truth. You don't need to read another faith story. You need to work out your own faith story. For some of us, the reason our faith is feeble, the reason that some of us, our faith is fragile, is because we think that being inspired by a faith-based film or somebody else's faith journey or what's how somebody else views scripture, we think that that's going to grow our faith. That's not what grows a faith. That will leave you exactly where you are. It will inspire you, but it will leave you exactly where you are. It is when you take the words of God and the teachings of Jesus and you put them into practice into your own life. It's when you work out your faith story that your faith grows and gets stronger. Stronger. James, he said this. He said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what It says you need to do what it says. You need to put your faith into action. And then he says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, continues doing it, meaning day by day by day, just like going to the gym. It's not a one and done thing, but you got to develop a routine a routine of working out your faith and putting your faith in action. Those who continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but do it by doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. It's about practically applying it to your life and doing what it says, not simply believing. So at this point in the message, I think if Jesus were up here and he were preaching this, he would probably ask this question. So are you doing or are you just a mooing? Are you doing or are you just 
a mooing. Yeah, I heard somebody do it, right? Because here's the thing. We hear these, we hear this content. We hear these sermons, right? We hear all this stuff and you have two options. You can either go do it or are you just going to moo at it? And you know what I'm talking about. I have people do it all the time. We hear, we hear a message. We hear the content. We go, mmm, 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 mmm. That was good. I really like that. I didn't, I've never heard anybody put that like that before. That was really good. He made me laugh too, which I was kind of surprised by. But that was really good. Mmm, mmm, that was good. You know what? I'm going to send that to your sister tomorrow because I feel like your sister needs to hear that. Mmm, 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 mmm. Are you going to do any of it? Mmm, 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 nope. Nope, don't plan on doing any of it. I think your sister, I think your sister should do it. That's who I think should do it. But no, 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 no. Are we going to have a giving plan? Are we going to start giving? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Are we going to get a small group? Are we going to start serving? Do you think maybe we should forgive that person that, you know, we... Right? I mean, let's be honest. That's what a lot of us do. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to moo at it? Are you just going to continue to take it in as content? Just take in more content, believe in it, be convicted by it. Leave here, go get in the car. Everybody always talks about, I'm really good apparently at making people have awkward conversations in the car on the way home. (laughs) You know, but you get in the car and you're like, you all know what you should do. There's not a single person who leaves here and doesn't think of something that they can do. That's like an actionable step. But a lot of times we get in the car. Are we going to start doing that? Mm Mm-mm. But here's the thing. This is what James is trying to get us to understand. Is that you, you could come into church. You could come into some gathering every single week for the rest of your life. And you could believe it's true. You could be convicted by it. You could, you could agree with it even. You could take really good notes about it and put all kinds of Instagram quotes on the internet. You could do all of that. But if you don't practically put it into action in your life then all of this is a waste of time. Then you could literally undermine your own life and your own faith by how you practically live. And the thing is, is that many Christians, man, many Christians will never experience God's faithfulness because they will never do anything that requires any faith. I told you last week, my daughter... uh, she found my Bible that I was given whenever I was a, a kid, when I was dedicated as a baby. And she found it. And she said, Daddy, I'm going to start reading my Bible. And she said, where, where, do I, where do I start? She said, do I start in Genesis? And I said, no, start with the story of Jesus. You start with Jesus and you can understand the rest of it. So I told her, start with Matthew, go to Mark, Luke, John, so on. And so she opened up her Bible. And so she started reading her Bible this week. And so she gets to Matthew 5 and 6, right? What we just talked about. Sermon on the Mount. The real practical stuff. And so I'm downstairs gaming with my son, Braden, And all of a sudden, I feel this very hard poke on my left shoulder. And it's my daughter. And I take my headset off. And I go, yeah, what's up, baby? She goes, I need to talk to you now. I was like, all right, hey, let me finish my game. And I'll, I'll be right up there. So I put my headphone back on. Finish up my game with Braden. Go upstairs. Go in her bedroom. And I said, hey, baby, what's up? She goes, yeah, I just read Matthew 5 and 6. So you're telling me that if somebody persecutes me, that I'm supposed to pray for them? 
Are you telling me that if my, my eye causes me to sin, I'm supposed to gouge it out? Are you telling me that if my right hand causes me to sin, I'm supposed to cut it off and it's better for this body part to be thrown into the lake of hell? What's the lake of hell, dad? And I'm supposed to do this. She's just quoting all this stuff. She just read all this practical thing. She's quoting yank the plank. She's quoting forgiving people, all of this stuff. She's just quoting all this stuff back to me. And she looks at me and she's dead serious. She goes, daddy, how in the world do you do this as an adult? She said, Daddy, it's hard enough for me to get along with my brother. How in the world do you do this with all of the adults? And she said, I, I've seen how mean adults can be, Daddy. How in the world do you do this? And I said, Baby, I said, I know. I said, This is why, Daddy, you know, we have that small group on Monday nights at Daddy's house and Man, this is why people come over. I said, that's what we're doing. When you're downstairs, we're upstairs. And that's what we're talking about, babe. We're we're talking about how to live this out. And we're praying for one another. And we're cheering one another on. But yeah, we're talking about how we can can live this out. I said, baby, this is why daddy's phone rings all the time. Because I said, people are, they're hearing this. And they they know what they need to do. But it's it's not easy, babe. I said, but yeah. It's what we're supposed to do, baby. I said, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to be like Jesus. So she went to bed. Next morning, she gets up. She goes to school. I go to pick her up. And she goes, and she, she was all excited when I picked her up. She goes, Daddy, 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 do you know what happened today? Do you know what happened today? I say, what happened today? She goes, Daddy, she goes, uh, there's a boy, man. He was being so mean to me. He was gaslighting me, and he was telling me I was a bully. I told him what he was doing was wrong, and he said, you're a bully. And he got other people to start calling me a bully, and all these people kind of turned on me all of a sudden, and I was just trying to do the right thing and trying to tell him what the right thing to do was. And, and all of a sudden, he just started making fun of me and stuff. And Daddy, do you know what I did for him? She goes, Daddy. I stopped and I prayed for him. I prayed for him. Because I remembered that verse that we talked about last night. For those who are persecuted, when somebody persecutes you, you should pray for them. So, Daddy, I stopped and I I did that. And she said, Dad, after I did that, I felt better. I felt a peace in my heart. She said, Dad, after I did that, you know what? I thought for a minute, like, wow, I actually did it. I I feel like that's me trying to be like Jesus. And I said, sweetie, I said, that's exactly right. I said, honey, that's, that's why it's called the living word of God. Because sometimes... You read something or you hear something and you, you figure out, oh, so this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So this is what I'm, I'm supposed to do. And I said, honey, usually when you read those type of things or you have some of those moments with God, you know what God does? He gives you an opportunity to live it out. He tests your faith and he gives you an opportunity for you to put your faith in action. And I said, honey, that's exactly what happened. And you did it. And here's the thing, my hope for my daughter, my hope for my daughter is that she would continue to do that. Because in doing that at school, she understood something. See, she experienced God's faithfulness on the other side of her faith in action. And I could see it in her eyes. Her faith in Jesus grew just a little bit more. 
where all of a sudden for her, what's starting to happen for my little girl is that her faith is not just something she believes because her mom and dad believe it. It's not something she just believes because she goes to church every Sunday. It's starting to become her faith journey. And even at school, at nine years old, she's learning how to put her faith in action. And as she does, my prayer for her is that she would experience God's faithfulness. That her relationship with God would begin to grow because she has learned that he is trustworthy. And here's the thing. My prayer for every single one of you is that you would not just come and consume content. That you would not just come and hear and moo at it and tell, tell me, oh, that was a great sermon. I really like that. Really inspiring. Sending it to other people. Hey, man, you should listen to this. This was really, really good. That's all fine and dandy. But the wise man, the wise man who hears the word and applies it to his life, builds a foundation. A foundation that is there for when the storms of life come. And when you build that foundation up and those storms come, it's then that you experience God's faithfulness. It's then that you understand just how good He is. It's then you understand that He is is the King. And you are awestruck in wonder at just who He is and how good He is. And those, those times you're like, man, I wish I would have put my faith in Him a long time ago. Because when I experience his goodness, when I experience his love for me and his grace, man, I understand. He's here to make my life better and to make me better in life. So my prayer for you is that don't just simply be believers. Be followers. Put it into work. When you put it into practical work, you know what happens? Your faith grows. And it doesn't become feeble or fragile. It's nurtured, it's taken care of, and it grows. And that's how you get a big faith. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, Father God, as we come to you this morning, God, would you help us to not just hear your word and keep it in our heart, not just hear your word and simply believe it, but God, would you help us to, would you help us to hear your word and apply it to our lives? Would you help us to be doers, not just believers? God, you've laid it out through your gospel so clearly what it looks like to practically follow you, to have compassion, to be generous, to forgive God, all these things that you list out, it's so easy to think that that doesn't apply to us because of our story, because of our situation. But God, this is who you've called us to be. So God, would you help us to be those kinds of followers? Would you help us to put our trust in you? Not a blind faith, not a blind trust, but God, would you help us to put our faith in you? Stepping out in obedience. And God, when we experience your faithfulness on the other side, would we put more of our trust in you with the even bigger things, with the areas of life that sometimes we've held on to? God, would you do that in every single one of us? And just like we talked about, just like you did with my little girl this week, God, 
as we walk out of here today, I'm sure there are going to be some opportunities this week to live this out. God, would you help us to have the courage to put our faith in you? We love you, Lord. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. As we continue to worship, as we continue to focus on God, would you just turn this time and just to a time of really open-handedly giving yourself to God, laying your life in front of him and saying, God, this is yours to take. This is yours to do what you want with. Will you stand with me as we worship this morning?